Well, so you're at home. Some of you have been home for a long time. Church is closed. You can't go to church. Your office is closed. Can't go to the office. Can't visit your grandkids. Can't visit the nursing home. Some of you have been home for a long time. Maybe you're just being prudent and you're self-quarantining. For whatever reason, some of us feel isolated. We feel like we've, we've had to pull away. Some of you have had to get away. A few years ago, Southwest Airlines had this string of commercials with that theme, Want to get away? I thought they were funny. Getting away is a national obsession with us. Hotels offer getaway packages. There's even a getaway.com where you can plan a big trip. Getaways are common. Sometimes getaways are just the need to, to relax after a long string of long days. Couples get away to, to get a spark, to find a new spark in their romance. Sometimes it's more serious. Sometimes after a, a deep grief, a deep hurt, we need a respite. We, we need a break. We need to... We need to just get away. Have you, have you ever wanted to just get away? I don't mean to be isolated like so many of us are now, but have you ever just wanted to pull away where you could be yourself, where you, you didn't have to pretend or perform for anybody? Did you ever want to get away where you could, dare I say it, cry? Several years ago in Mount Washington, Kentucky, Father Scott Wimsett invited me to preach the, the installation sermon at his church, the St. Francis Catholic Church. That was a big deal and a lot of fun for me. One thing I remember from that night was the cry room. In the back of the sanctuary, this big room with, with glass walls where parents could go when their little ones would cry and they could not disturb anybody, but they, would, they could still watch and, you know, participate in the service. But it's not just Catholic babies that cry. Baptist babies cry, too. My uncle Bartow was a pastor in Oxford, Alabama. I remember in his little church, they had a, a cry room in the back. Sometimes, sometimes big people need a, well, a place to, to cry, a place to unload, a place to, to be ourselves, a place where we wouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed for people to know our real feelings. Even, even big people like us might need a, a cry room. But I know some of you macho guys are thinking, no, a cry room's not for me. Maybe you like a better image. Maybe you prefer the idea of a, a fortress. You know, a fortress is, is a big deal, but it, for, for, and it's for tough guys. It's not for wimps, but even Tough guys, after they've been dodging arrows and spears, even tough guys need a place to regroup and reload and, and relax. Martin Luther liked the image of the fortress. He lived in Germany in the 1500s, and, and he needed a place to get away, a fortress. There were a lot of people who really didn't like Martin Luther, and, and he had his own demons, his own spiritual struggles, and, and he... He needed to find a refuge. He found that in the Psalms. He often would, would find in the Psalms the idea of God as his, as his getaway, if you will, as his refuge. The recurring theme that he found there. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He even wrote the hymn, 
A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark or a place of refuge, never failing. He wrote that in 1527, interestingly, during a time very much like ours. There was an epidemic. People were afraid it was a redo, a a rerun of the, the Black Death that had gone through Europe a hundred years earlier and killed millions of Europeans. They were afraid it was going to be like that. They were scared. They were isolated. They were hurting. And, and in the middle of that, a situation much like ours. Martin Luther wrote about God being our refuge, a, a place of safety. You can choose your image, whichever you like, a cry room or a fortress. But most of us, because of life being what life is, most of us from time to time want a place to, to get away. David, King David, found that. And he writes about it in the Psalms. That, that was our text for today. David is praying, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Why would, why would somebody like King David need a hiding place? One, David suffered from guilt and shame. You might remember he'd had an affair and had made things worse by arranging for the death of his lover's husband. He needed a place to get away from guilt and shame. Anybody here dragging around some guilt? Anybody watching me thinking, boy, I wish I could just get away from the pressure of the embarrassment of the, of the shame? David... Uh, David had enemies. There were people from the outside that wanted to attack and take his kingdom. There were people from the inside that wanted to take his kingdom from him. He had his enemies, and so he, he wanted to get away. Anybody watching this want to get away from that constant competition? He bore the burden of what we would call a dysfunctional family. Some of his kids hated each other. There was violence between them. Absalom, his own son, tried to wrest his kingdom away from him. He had a, a painful family. Anybody ever want to get away from the pain? I don't mean getting away from your family, but at least for a while, just need a break from the, the pain that family sometimes brings. There were pressures of leadership. David had all kinds of pressures with a complex kingdom. Anybody watching me now wish you could get away? You're in a position of leadership, and maybe lately especially, with all that's going on, with all these decisions, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. Wouldn't you like to, to find a place of refuge? Wouldn't you like to get away? Anybody need a, a hiding place? From World War II comes that Wonderful story, The Hiding Place, a book written by Corey Ten Boom. The Ten Boom family, they were Christians in, 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 the, in Holland, and they hid Jews from the Nazis. They built a special, they had this special hideaway room just beyond the bedroom of Corey Ten Boom. She was small. And they hid the Jews there until the Nazis found them. And then the, the Nazi soldiers dragged all of them away, the Jews and the Ten Boom family. They, they herded them like cattle into a big gymnasium where they would be processed. That first night in the gymnasium, Corey Ten Boom writes about that. Her family, she said, had gathered together like an island in that sea of frightened humanity. And she spoke of her father. His blue eyes seemed to be seeing beyond the locked and crowded room, beyond earth itself, 
as he quoted from memory Psalm 119, verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. Corrie ten Boom found her hiding place not in some secret room, but in a relationship with God so personal and so intimate that it provided safety, a, a refuge for her, despite all the inhumanity and the pain and the death surrounding her. You need a, does anybody need a, a hiding place? There is one. So how do you get there? How do you, how do you get to that hiding place? Well, I've got to be honest, this is such a mystical thing that, that I really hesitate to say, here are the steps, here are the keys, here are the secrets to, a, to that intimacy, that personal relationship with God that is like a hiding place. So I'm not going to say there are, there are secrets or keys or steps, but there is a hiding place. And I've, not all that often, but I have found it uh, personally. When I was reading Psalm 46, I, I thought about that night when we brought our daughter home, Brennan. So this is just over 30 years ago now. When I went to pick up Brennan, our daughter, and Carrie at the hospital to take them home, Carrie had been crying, I could tell. The pediatrician had been in, and, and she had told Carrie, my wife, that, um, that she was a little concerned about our daughter, that she showed some at least initial signs of Down syndrome. That night, uh, Carrie had, it was the middle of the night. Uh, Carrie had fed Brennan, our daughter, and uh, I had taken her in and laid her down in the crib. And, and I sat down in the, in the floor. I remember it so clearly, sitting in the floor with my back against the wall. I remember talking to Brennan. Of course, she was, what, three days old and she couldn't hear me or understand what I was saying, but I talked to her. And I remember telling her, it's okay if you're not the homecoming queen. It's okay if you, if you don't end up having a big fancy job. We love you for who you are, and, and, and as a family, we're going to be okay. It was a surreal kind of experience, mystical experience. I know what it is like to find that, that hiding place. So I'm not going to say there are keys or steps or secrets. I do, though, think that if there are two things that are necessary for that kind of personal intimacy with, with our Father that provides a, a refuge, I would say it is two things, and that is trust God and choose hope. Trust God, meaning that we believe He is big enough and good enough to take care of us. Corey Ten Boom, who wrote The Hiding Place, said, when the train goes into the tunnel and it gets dark, you don't tear up your ticket and jump off the train. You sit still and you trust the conductor. To trust God is to believe he's big enough and good enough to take care of us. But I want to be real careful here. That does not mean that everything's going to be okay. So that's why I say, I say trust God and and choose hope. And you might remember from last week that hope is not some gullible, simplistic, naive idea that everything is going to be okay. But hope, biblical hope, is the deep conviction that I will not be destroyed and I will not be consumed. That at the, at the core of who I am, I'm really going to be, I'm going to be okay. 
If there are keys, if there are necessary steps to finding in God a hiding place, I, I, would, I would say it is trust God and, and choose hope. There's no vaccine for this coronavirus, at least not yet. There was no vaccine in 1903 either for diphtheria. So when Cleland McAfee's two little nieces contracted the disease, they had no hope. So Cleland McAfee's brother, Howard, and his wife lost their two little girls, both of them within 24 hours. Cleland McAfee was a pastor, and so people looked to him for answers. He had no answers for why there was something like diphtheria and, and why two innocent little girls would succumb to such an awful thing. Their funeral, the funeral of the two little girls, was held at home, not in a funeral parlor, but the home was, was quarantined. So Cleland McAfee couldn't go to the funeral of his two little nieces, but he did stand outside. He stood outside and, and he sang something that he had written between the time of their death and the funeral. He had wrestled with his, his disappointment that he had no answers for the questions of why, why diphtheria, why these two little girls. But in Psalm 46, he had found that sense of refuge, of a, of a hiding place, if you will. And so outside the home, he stood and he sang. And so from inside, these parents, grieving parents, standing over the bodies of these two little girls, heard, heard Cleland McAfee sing. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and Peace near to the heart of God. So Cleland McAfee had no answers, but he believed he, he had, a, had some hope. And so he wrote those words and sang from outside that house where his two little nieces, where their bodies lay. He sang... O oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God.